welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey, everyone, this is Chris, and welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast. Always excited to have you here learning, living, and really just experiencing the fatherhood life with daughters. And uh, and it's always a pleasure having you along with this journey. Today, I am so excited, and I always say this about my guests, but I really am excited about this guest because Di Manuel is with us. Di and I have, got, have been friends for a while. I've been on a journey of fitness with him for a while. We'll talk a little bit about that because he he gives a lot away. So if you're looking to get get healthy, he definitely offers a ton. So we'll be talking about that, but we also want to learn about him as a father as well. So Di, thanks so much for joining us this week. Thank you, my man. It's good to hear you, Chris, and uh, reconnect as always. And uh, it's wonderful to reconnect with the community too. So um, hello, everybody. It is my pleasure having you here. And I always love starting these conversations by turning back the clock. And so what I want you to do is I want you to go back, go back in time. You've got two daughters and I know they're getting up there in age. They're, you know, they're in their teenage years and I know what that's like as well. But one of the things that I want to have you do is turn back the clock to your first daughter. And when you first found out that you're going to be a father of a daughter, what was your reaction? Oh, it was just pure joy. We opted not to know the, the gender uh, while we were going through our pregnancy. But, you know, we were ecstatic to just know that we were pregnant. Uh, it happened pretty quick. Uh, you, you know, my wife was told that uh, with her inverted uterus that it may take a while for us to get pregnant. So we were quite young. And we said, well, you know what? We might as well start trying because it, it could be a decade before we have a baby. Because my mom took uh, quite a while. She had a similar issue as well as Christy's mom, my wife's mom had a similar issue and they both, we were both firstborns and it took our parents, our mothers quite a bit to get pregnant with us. And so we're like, well, okay, well, let's better start trying. And then if it happens, it happens. Anyways, long and short, it happened like right away. <laughs> like Within a week we were pregnant and we never looked back. And, and I remember the day my daughter was born, you know, we're coming up, uh, it'll be her 17th birthday coming up here in a week. And Man, I, I remember just breaking down, uh, just pure joy uh, running from my eyeballs, you know, uh, <laughs> sobbing uncontrollably. And, and it was one of the happiest moments of my life. And I've been very fortunate. I've had two of those moments now in my life uh, happen again when my second daughter was born. But I always wanted daughters, even before we knew. Um, I just always wanted girls. I don't know why. It's just something that I've always wanted. So um, I was very grateful to, to, to see them come into the world. You know, now I know that you and your family have been on, I'm going to say a journey, but it's been a literal mm -hmm. journey. You guys mm -hmm. have, have really opened up the world to your daughters in many different ways and had many very unique experiences mm -hmm. as well. And what would you say has been some of the most memorable experiences that you've been able to share with your daughters thus far? Well, you know, it, I mean, there's lots of firsts, right? And and I think my wife and I, we, we made a quite the pivot a number of years ago. And, it, you know, when I said we had a pivot, it, we just decided we wanted to live life differently, you know, than how we've been living up to that point. And what did that look like? You know, we started to, to explore that in our conversations and our dreaming and our visioning, you know, and it's something I love to encourage parents or or you know, non-parents, like just anybody, yeah, don't stop dream, dreaming. Don't stop giving yourself permission to explore 
those wants, those desires, those those visions that uh, we often have when we're young. Uh, and, and it's funny how they become cloudy. And in some cases, we, we feel so far off in the distance, we can't even see them anymore as we age. And so I'm always big on trying to help people reconnect with some of those things and, and actually ask ourselves, you know, like, what do I want? What do I want for my life? What do I want for my family's life? And, and so as we started to entertain some of those questions and really explore it, we both came to a conclusion that, you know, the path that we found ourselves on, uh, which involves me as a co-founder for a company that I was with for 17 years. And, and I really felt that that was the path I was meant to be on. I thought, you know, this is it. This is my career. This is like a life career. I don't envision me changing anything. We were very, very comfortable. You know, I had a good stable income. Kids had their networks, their friends. Uh, Christy uh, was also uh, gainfully employed and, and loving her role in, a, in an organization here in Vancouver. And uh, we just started to realize that, you know, life is short. Days aren't getting longer. <laughs> and uh, I think kids is a, a wonderful thing, are, are a wonderful thing because they're uh, literally barometers of time. You know, every day I see them grow up in front of me and it reminds me of my own mortality and the fact that I am getting older. I'm changing. And so we made a decision. We're like, okay, well, rather than collecting things and stuff and, and, and doing the, the typical thing of trying to save up more money so we can get a bigger space, fill it with more stuff and, you know, save up for that next vacation. And, you know, just the, the typical stuff that we were on a path and that was just our life. And I'm not saying that it was bad or it was good. It was neither or. It was our life and we loved it. But it got to a point where we wanted more. We wanted to change things. We wanted to be focused on having experiences with our girls while they still thought we were cool <laughs> and they still wanted to hang out with us. And uh, so I quit my career. 17 years. A month after that, my wife quit hers and we gave away all our stuff, um, literally downsized our lifestyle and then pulled the kids out of school a couple months after that, after we got everything settled and packed up our SUV and started traveling. And uh, predominantly for the first couple of years, we, we traveled around North America quite extensively in, the, you know, just an SUV, crashing on couches, people's guest rooms, uh, motels, hotels, Airbnb, you, you name it. Uh, we've probably stayed there. We even did some camping. Uh, not so much. I'm more of a glamper than a camper. Uh, but, uh, you know, we enjoyed that journey and we, we had so many amazing experiences. And then after a couple of years of that, we transitioned to going overseas and uh, we set up shop in Bali, Indonesia. We went there for three months to just see what it's like to live in Southeast Asia and do some traveling, fell in love with it, fell in love with the people, the cultures. And uh, we ended up staying there. Um, my family was there for just over two years. I was there for just shy of two and a half years. And um, because it was a transition of us moving back to Vancouver for my kids to finish high school here, which was something that we wanted to honor. It was something that they wanted because, as you can imagine, school in Southeast Asia is a bit more limited, uh, not as many options, especially on the extracurriculars for kids. My one daughter loves acting. My other daughter loves sport. And uh, both of those um, passions couldn't be fully realized for them if we stayed put. So uh, here we are back in Vancouver and, and actually based on what's happening in the world today, I'm very grateful to be back in Canada. I'll tell you that. Things work out for a reason, I think. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's sort of it, man. I, I mean, that's a really roundabout way of saying, yeah, we've had some pretty cool experiences and the most memorable ones are, are obviously the ones where we've been together, living together, close quarters, experiencing other cultures. And we're slow travelers. That's something that we really love. So if we go someplace and we like it, we're like, okay, well, let's hang out here for a bit. 
Let's get to know some of the people, some of the cool jaunts, the, the hangout places, the parks. Like really try to submerge ourselves in the culture there and see what it's like to live there. You know, like even when we went to California, we hung out in California for a few months, you know, when we started our travels. We were chasing the sun and we loved it. We had friends in, in California, so we just hung out there for quite a bit. And uh, we liked it. And then, you know, we just continued on our travels that way. And um, I, I wouldn't exchange or trade those experiences for anything. Not a thing in the world would, would take that away from me. Now, what would you say has been one of the hardest parts of being a father to a daughter? You know, I, I started to struggle a lot more as I became more, went from girls to, to, to women, right? And and I think many of us as fathers, uh, at least based on, I, I run a lot of men's groups and uh, do a lot of men's coaching. And obviously, there's a lot of fathers there too. And and uh, there's an interesting dynamic with father to daughter. And uh, especially, you know, the closeness, the cuddly effect, like the, the, the that I know for myself personally, like I... I my daughters like uh, one of their love languages is, is, is touch, right? And and time with. And um, I've noticed for myself uh, specifically, um, there, there became a point where I was just like, okay, well, they're they're, they're turning into women, you know? Like they, so that closeness that used to be there, that that relationship that was such that they were my little girl. They'd sit on my lap and we'd watch a movie. We we joke around. We'd just do things that maybe had a bit more physicality to it, but where all of a sudden. I know myself, not them. This is not them getting feeling awkward. It was more me starting to feel awkward about it. You know, like, okay, well, I think this is a little bit different now. You know, like I just, it's not that it wasn't appropriate. Not, not, nothing along those lines. And, and it just, I, I started to notice myself um, feeling uncomfortable and, and just being completely honest and, and not knowing how to navigate those changes in my own uh, position in those changes, like, <laughs> and my role. And, uh, so, you know, it's things that we've, we've just, we've grown through it. We've evolved through it. We, we have great relationships and, uh, definitely I think that was probably one of the hardest things for me emotionally as well as psychologically is just going through that transition from, from girlhood to womanhood, you know? And, uh, so yeah, I, I think that's just for my opinion and what I found to be one of the, the, the more, in my face struggles that I've had to deal with. I hear you. I, I'm going through it uh, right now with both my daughters and uh, my more so my younger daughter, because my older daughter has kind of gone through it. And it, it is difficult because they, they do start pulling away. They start trying to have their own identities, um, not as connected to you. And, and, and it, and I, I like what you said when you said that, it, you found that it was more about you and yeah. how you're feeling yes. and about them, but, but it's figuring out how do you redefine those that relationship? At least for me, it has been. And how do you still maintain those bonds and those connections through your conversations, through activities, through other things to be able to allow for that to stay strong? For sure. For sure. Now, what would you say is your biggest fear in raising a daughter today? Well, had you asked me that question over 10 years ago, I, I would have been, my biggest fear would have been them ending up with somebody like me. <laughs> I wasn't uh, proud of who I was. Uh, I wasn't living into my fullest. Uh, I was not really evolving. I was actually rather stagnant in, in my development personally and professionally. I, I sort of got to a point where I was just super comfortable, wasn't challenging myself. And, you know, any stress and anxiety, I, I 
learned very quickly to deal with it with alcohol. And uh, it became that numbing agent for me. And uh, just my way of managing stress, you know, anxiety was like, oh, I'll have a couple of drinks, everything will be okay. But, you know, that's not a healthy way to deal with stress and, and, and with mental health. And, and uh, so, you know, my biggest fear back then would have been them ending up with somebody like me. My, my wife asked me a question once, and, and it's actually the, the pivoting question that, that shifted everything for me just over 10 years ago was, you know, are you being the type of man that you would want to marry your daughters? You know, and when she asked me that question, you know, any man that's on here, any man that's a father to a daughter, it's one to ask yourself, you know, how would you feel if your daughter ended up with someone like you right now? And if you can say, I would love that, I would welcome them to the family, I'd be so proud and honored and feel good for my daughter knowing that she's in it with a good man. I couldn't honestly say that back then, you know? And uh, so that out of a place of obviously more so fear of losing my family, losing what I prioritized as being important, yet I wasn't acting like it was important. Uh, that, that was a, a big shift for me. And, you know, I haven't had a drink for over 10 years now. And uh, just to, to sort of, you know, fast forward that story, I mean, it changed everything. It changed how I, I had to learn how to manage stress and anxiety and much healthier uh, without alcohol. And, and that allowed me the space and the energy to actually focus on some under, underlying issues which were causing me some psychological uh, grief and some emotional grief and, and just holding me back in life. And, and it's amazing. When you eliminate some of the crutches, you got to figure out how to walk again, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so I went through that process and it, it changed everything for the better. And... So nowadays, my, my biggest fear is honestly that um, I'm not supporting them enough, you know, for them to, to grow into who they're growing into, to, allowing them that space to evolve into the, their own person. And uh, I, I feel like I'm supporting them enough, but there's always that concern, that fear that, am I doing enough? Am I doing it enough? And, and you know, there's that whole value and, and the self-value ideas that start to come up with that. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a rabbit hole if you start going down that train of thought. Um, but all I got to do is one day at a time, you know, take that deep breath, be present in the moment, ask myself, what can I do today to help them feel good, help them feel connected, help them feel like they have the tools and, and the opportunity to explore what it is that they're growing into. And that's all I can do, you know, one day, show up one day at a time, man. So true. And I, you know, I know that not only in this, but I've also seen that you are providing tools for so many, because uh, I talked at the beginning about the fact that you help a ton of people to find health and wellness and mindset in regards to their daily lives. And uh, as, I, as I said at the beginning, you are giving a lot of this just away to help people in, in, in uh, so many ways. Uh, let, but but what, one of the things, and I want to talk about health and wellness and some of the things that dads can do to be able to incorporate health and wellness, not only for themselves, but also in their experiences with their kids. But tell me first about what led you to becoming a fitness health kind of mindset expert, I'm going to say, for others? Thanks for positioning it that way, Chris, or at least framing it up that way. Because, you know, I often laugh at that. Well, you know how, I mean, I think both of us feel that way because I know you do too, because it's, you're seen as a leader in these communities and you are, you're a founder, you're a leader, you're a motivator, you inspire a lot of us. And, and Often when I find people that are in that kind of a position like we are, 
to get referred to as experts or gurus or authorities, it, it's kind of funny. It, it just means we've made more mistakes <laughs> and we figured out ways to, to move past those mistakes and then help others be proactive in not making those mistakes. <laughs> you know, so we, we, we become very good uh, role models uh, because it's like, well, you know, I tried it that way once and nah, it didn't work, but here's what did work. And, and so this mentorship aspect in the communities that we nurture, uh, I, I would say it's a, it's a common vein that runs throughout. And, um, you know, I, I didn't come to fitness or health naturally, uh, to, to be quite honest, I was on the opposite end of the spectrum. And, uh, for those that aren't aware, I, I was morbidly obese as a teenager, like morbidly. And, and to put this into perspective, you know, childhood obesity, uh, it wasn't a thing you know, 30 years ago. Okay. Like it is now. I mean, now you, you go into schools and, and, and it's very unfortunate, it's sad. And it's, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm very polarizing on. I, I'm really, I speak out quite a bit to childhood obesity and, and our role in, in mobilizing change as it relates to that. But, but I, I'm going to get off <laughs> the stage on that one and, and just really focus on, on sort of where I was and I got there and there was one other kid in my entire school that was in that state of unhealth like I, like I was. So we were clearly the minorities. And uh, with that comes a lot of emotional and psychological as well as physical challenges. And, uh, you know, the typical cliches that come or we were familiar with as it relates to, to that state of, of unhealth. And, you know, I got there over a period of five years, literally just eating a lot of very uh, nutri- nutrition poor foods. So foods that weren't very nutritious, but yet calorie dense, uh, filled with sugars and salts and preservatives and just eating a lot of uh, foods that weren't good at fueling me to thrive. (laughs) They were more so just survival and and emotional um, comforts. And I played a lot of video games, watched a lot of movies. So I wasn't moving and I was eating that way. And and, and it was a downward slope, you know, it was just over time. It wasn't like I I blew up to that size overnight. It was a five-year process of slowly putting the weight on. And then at age 14, I, I just got to a point where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm depressed. I'm withdrawn. I isolate. Uh, I, I feel ashamed every time I look in the mirror. I shy away from cameras because I don't want to be seen, nor do I <laughs> want to see myself. And and it led to depression and, and as well as uh, for a bit of anxiety in social settings. And, and on top of that, I, I had suicidal thoughts. And uh I got to a day, Chris, where I, I caught myself in the mirror and after a shower, and uh, it was a short shower, a typical rinse, you know, <laughs> rinse and wash. And uh, I got out and the, the mirror hadn't fogged up. It was condensation like it normally would. And uh, I, I locked eyes and did the up and down glance and broke down, like absolutely broke down, sobbing and, and uncontrollably, like ugly cry all the way, you know. And uh I, I remember at that moment with these thoughts of like, maybe I can take some pills. Maybe I can do some. Wouldn't it be great to go to sleep and not wake up again? Like, you know, your mind just starts running. But then I started thinking about death and the mortality piece and just this, the, the end. And, and I became very scared of that, like more fearful of that. In fact, I was more afraid of, of that possibility than I was afraid of the possibility of me actually doing something different to change. <laughs> you know, and, and just a mental note for everybody right now, this is something to, to remember is like when you are more afraid of staying as you are than you are of changing, you know, you're ready to change. You know, like when you really start to take ownership on the path that you're on based on the choices you're making, the actions you're taking every day, 
because it's pretty obvious, right? I mean, Einstein talked about it, you know, doing the same thing every day and expecting different results is definition of insanity. Well, a lot of us live our life that way. You know, Bill Murray, Groundhog's Day, we, we feel like that. But are we actively living into our best version, making those proactive decisions that, okay, this is in alignment with the kind of person I want to be. It's how I want to show up. It's how I want to be seen and acknowledged. It's how I want to contribute and make an impact. When we get really clear on these sort of core values and, and, and life missions, all of a sudden the path in front of us doesn't seem so cluttered. It seems much more clear. And it's a lot easier to filter through the non-essential versus essential choices in our life. And uh, so at age 15, I just started living life differently. I got educated. I went and got books at the library. My kids laughed at me. I say this. I went to the library. I, I'm, I was, I'm older than Google kids, you know, like, <laughs> so they always laugh about that. And it's like, uh, I went to the library, got some books on fitness and on nutrition. Uh, I sought out uh, some mentorship from, from people I, that I knew, you know, just asking questions because I was very intimidated by this idea of going to a gym. <laughs> Uh, my parents bought me a mountain bike. They were very encouraging. You know, I, my parents were the typical parents. They were trying to get me to do all sorts of stuff because they saw me getting further and further uh, depressed and unhealthy. And they just, they knew that I needed to do something to correct that. But it wasn't until I wanted to do it that it happened, you know, but they were very supportive. They they did everything they could to to, to allow me the space to, to start to change. It took 20 months. And going through that process, a lot of people that watched me going through that process, you know, the people watching from afar or people that knew us very closely, they saw me living a new lifestyle, eating differently, taking care of myself, becoming much more mindful of my choices and, and just being more supportive, more positive, more uplifting, you know, focusing my attention, more present in the moment with my relationships, especially and how I was interacting with people. So this big shift happened from who I was to who I was becoming and people started asking me questions. I, I was never used to that. That never happened to me before where they would come to me and actually ask me for advice, ask me for input, ask me for help. And that was the, the, the moment where I realized, wow, I can really help people. I can coach, I can mentor, I can do this. And I like doing it. It makes me feel very fulfilled. And that's what got me started in the health space in the wellness space and, and the coaching and mentorship space. And uh, that was when I was 17, you know, and I haven't looked back since uh, everything I've been doing in my adult life has been in that path and different facets, obviously, but more or less, that's the one consistent thing is just how do I show up for others? How do I help them? How do I support them? What can I give them resource wise or motivation wise, education, inspiration, like to help them realize that they have nothing but potential in them. It's just a matter of tapping into it. And sometimes you just need someone to look you in the eye and say, you know what, man, you can do this. I see you. You are capable. And I think a lot of us are just looking for that, you know? So yeah, that was sort of this, the, the, the origin story. If we're going to rip some from Marvel, you know, that was my story. That's how I got started. <laughs> and it's sort of morphed over the years, you know, the last, uh, two decades and a half I've been in the, the wellness space earning an income professionally and uh, I don't ever see myself doing anything other than that. So now we have to call you super die. Is that yeah, what, right. is that <laughs> Let's just call me die, but uh, uh, we'll be die who is, has lived through his fair share of mistakes. We'll put it that way. But you know, mistakes are only mistakes. We don't learn from them. So uh, I've had lots of opportunities to grow. Let's just, we'll leave it at that. I understand. So, so as you're working with people and, you know, our community, our dads with daughters, and a lot of times we get so super focused 
we get super focused on our career. We get super focused on, you know, the, you know, trying to be a dad that we forget about ourselves and we forget about thinking about our own health. And then as you get older, your body starts changing and, you know, where you used to be able to eat everything and never gain a pound, you start gaining pounds and you start, you know, starting to, I'm going to say there's that dad bod that people talk about, but there, but you start to gain weight, you start to have other health issues. So if someone that is, for someone that is listening, that is saying and looking in the mirror themselves, and maybe they don't like what they see, or they've noticed that over a period of time that things have changed. What are some things that they can do to be able to flip the script that they, so that they can start to make some incremental changes to help themselves to find that health and wellness and maybe even, and fitness too, to add that back into their life so that they're moving in the right direction. And I guess even being a role model to their daughters on, on for themselves. Well, that's why, well, first of all, I love how you uh, say flip the script because I think it, it really does come down to that. And, and scripts imply, well, I always equate it to sort of the digital space, right? Like what is a script? Well, scripts are these little programs that are running in the background just sort of automatically. And I, I equate that to our subconscious, right? Our subconscious has these scripts, if you will, that we've learned through years and years of conditioning and repetition. Some of them serve us, but in my experience, majority of them actually limit us, limit us in, in many different ways, whether it be physically, whether it be emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, like it, there's just a lot of these little underlying beliefs that are tied to these automatic responses. So a lot of us, myself included, live in this sort of reactionary state where we're just living life, but we're on autopilot. And we do take time often to, to complain <laughs> that we're not happy or we're not excited about the path or the life that we're leading. And sometimes that has to do with career, right? We, we like, I hate my job. I hate doing this. I hate being there for that 40 to 50 hours, 60 hours a week. You know, I, and yet we, we don't take even a quarter of that energy that we use in complaining about it to channel that to maybe do something different learn a new skill, learn a new uh, strategy for actually making life a little bit better, you know, more in alignment with the things that you actually want. And I, I think one of the best places to begin is literally just asking ourselves, well, what do I want? Like not to watch on Netflix, not, not what do I want for dinner, but like, what do I want for my life? What do I want for my family's life? What do I want for the relationships in my life? Like, these are big questions, and I and I know when I'm asking these right now, people are like, "Well, that's a you know, easy question to ask." I mean, it's not it's easy to ask, but it's not hard. Uh, sorry, it's not easy to answer, right? Like, it's it does take time and some energy, some some really good energy to to sit pensively and, and reflect, you know, internally on those questions and what it means to us. And because I find that as you start to explore the answers for that, things become clearer. And, and we start to become more excited. And, and I think we move from motivation and sheer grit. You, you know, this idea, I, I see a lot of people come to me, you know, because they've been trying. They've, they've, they've been, worked really hard to, to lose the weight, you know, to get a little healthier. And then all of a sudden they find they slip and a few months they're back to where they were or even 
further behind where they were previously when they started the journey. And that can be very frustrating, very unmotivating. And because willpower is a limited resource. And if you're always having to rely on sheer willpower and this idea of doing things that we're not emotionally connected or invested in, you only have so much energy to go around. And so how do you tap into inspiration? You know, that internal intrinsic motivation that when you start really tapping into that, it, it doesn't really feel like it drains energy. It actually feels like it's self-sustaining. Um, and finding that, it, it, it doesn't happen overnight. And it's often through experimentation and, and trial and error and really getting clear on what it is we want. And I think one of the easiest and simplest ways for people to get started is with routine. You know, a lot of the scripts that you were talking about, Chris, they're there just because it's how we've lived life for so long. It's how we define ourselves. It's what we use to describe ourselves in our life. And you think about it at the end of the day on our tombstones on the day that we leave this, this planet for wherever we go after that, it doesn't usually have our career or title on the, the tombstone. Like these things, even though we try to define who we are by what we do, it, it's, more than that. We're so much more than that. And um, giving ourselves the space and the permission to to be more than that, <laughs> I, I think, is where we're, we're often challenged. Because us as men, as fathers, we, we feel that we are the hunters and the gatherers. We are the providers, that everything in the household rests on our shoulders. And there's a lot of stress there, a lot of anxiety created around that. And if we really boil down to it, what's going to make our family happiest? My kids don't care what kind of career I have, but they do care that I'm there at their performances at school. They do care that I'm home for dinner. They do care that I'm asking them how their friends are doing, or I get to meet their first date, or they just want me to be there. You know, they don't care about all the stuff I do outside of our relationship. They care about the stuff that I do in our relationship. <laughs> and, and so creating that space for us to be our best version, our healthiest version, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and psychologically, that's where we start. And uh, so, I, I mean, my book, The Whole Life Fitness Manifesto, I'm just going to plug it right now, but it's free. You can get it on my website. Uh, I mean, there's no hidden agenda here, but it teaches people how to maximize 30 minutes a day. Body, mind, and spirit. Movement with purpose for 15 minutes. Five-minute mindful meditation. Ten minutes of personal development. It's a great place to begin. It's 2% of 24 hours, 30 minutes a day. Everybody's got that. They all got it. I, I challenge anybody to come to me and say, I don't have 30 minutes a day. I'm like, you do. You absolutely do. I, I've never met anybody that's been able to defend that point, right? Like, it's it's not that much time. And people say, well, is that all I got to do? I'm like, no, but it's the least you deserve, you know? You deserve this. And, and I want you to love yourself enough to make or take 30 minutes a day to start improving your body, your mind, and your spirit. Because if you do that, it's going to open up things so much more for you so you have the belief in yourself that you can do other things as well. You can. You got to start to see some positive change because once you see positive change and see those results start to, to come, it makes the decision and the commitment that much more real and much more accessible to, to sustain it. And uh, so that's usually where I recommend people begin. You know, it's, it's a good, good starting point. And uh, don't be so attached to the results that if they don't come as quickly as you want them to come, that you give up. It takes consistent effort. It takes a while to develop a new lifestyle. Initially, it's great. You can, <laughs> you can grip and rip as best as you can to try to do the things that you want to be doing. But there comes a point where 
you start to look at things as work and that, that it shouldn't be that way. It should be fun. And, and so learning how to have fun with this journey, this process, not be so invested that if you don't get results right away that you give up, trust the process, you know, you know, and, and, and if you have the passion that you have the process, well, trust me, the purpose will naturally evolve from that. So true. And I, I, I love what you had to say that 30 minutes a day can, can truly make a difference. Now I know that you offer individuals workouts that will help them to do just that. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's all body weight based, like no equipment necessary. You got enough room to put a towel down on your floor. You have enough room to do a workout. Any of the workouts I provide people, they're daily workouts. Like when you sign up for the program, like, and, and when I say program, I, I mean that loosely. It's more of a lifestyle than anything, as people figure out pretty quick, because I ask them to commit to 28 days. If you're going to sign up, commit to doing 28 days. At the end of 28 days, do you stop? Well, no. <laughs> I mean, you keep going. You keep doing it. This is a, a necessary piece to help you constantly evolve, but also allow you to maintain a certain level of health and well-being. And, and that's important, especially mental health-wise, like creating that space for you to be you <laughs> and not the compromised you that's dealing with stress and anxiety and, and trying to battle with all those demons that we seem to keep carrying on our shoulders. And, and in some cases, we carry it proudly. I, I know when I'm asking somebody, like, how are you doing? Oh, not so well. And then they really dive into what's going on. I'm like, you know, there's a lot of worse things in the world. What do you have to be grateful for? You know, and then then it switches, right? You see the perspective shift. Again, coming back to that state of gratitude. And so the workouts are body weight based. Your, your body is the best piece of equipment. And the cool thing is, is once you learn how to leverage your body and move it in a certain way, certain patterns, you'll see that you can have amazing physical uh, improvement, in, you know, muscle tone muscle flexibility, muscular endurance, cardiovascular improvement. You know, some of those aches and pains that we have from sitting around too much or maybe we're sitting at our table, sitting in a car, sitting watching TV. We we just don't move our bodies much anymore, you know, or less and less. And, and for those that are more digital-based, even less, right? They're in front of screens all day. So what are we doing to start to try to counteract some of these negatives that are being compounded by the day by us not moving? And, and so it's just breaking that script, right? Break it entirely <laughs> and, and start uh, doing things differently than you've been doing. And uh, so it's a nice place to begin. And then eventually I, I have people, they reach out and they want to progress beyond that. You know, um, they're, they're like, oh, I'm excited. I want to do something more. I want to start incorporating some weight training. I want to do my first 5K run. I want to, uh, yeah. I had one person who's just like, I want to do my first mud run, you know? And it was like, great, awesome. That's a goal you can work towards. Let's tweak your training routine to this, you know, and make read this book and, and seek out this coach. And, you know, you just start to create a plan to then achieve the goal. And, and then you just follow the process. It's, I think a lot of us are used to just trying to wing things. But, man, there's enough people on this planet. There's enough people that have probably already achieved what we want to achieve. It's just a matter of trying to run the same play that they did. Maybe it changes slightly. Maybe you can do it quicker. We're not reinventing the wheel here. It's just like the exercises I give, there's no copyright on that stuff. <laughs> it's not like it's unique. I'm just putting it together in a process, in a flow to, that people can, you know, plug into a process and just say, okay, tell me what to do, tell me how to do it, 
but more importantly, help me figure out why I want to do this ongoing. And that is the piece that I, I, I really focus a lot on is helping people get the emotional connection to the things they do. Di, you know, it's, I, I always hate to end our, our conversations because I always have been taking notes and I know others have as well. Now we always finish our interviews with what we like to call our fatherhood five, where we ask you five questions to delve deeper into you as a parent. Are you ready? Mm, all right, let's do this. Let's do this. In one word, what is fatherhood? One word. Hmm. I want to say awesomeness. <laughs> like that's what always comes up for me. You know, it's just like it's awesome. Like literally awesome. Not like Bill and Ted awesome. I mean like awesome. Amazing. Just ah, it, it's indescribable. And once you become a father, you'll know exactly what I mean. Now, when was the time that you felt like you finally succeeded in being a father to a daughter? I think it would be the first time that they hurt themselves. You know, that first time they fall, they get the scrape, they get the bruise. You know, and you're there to not only pick them up, but help them regain the confidence that I can try again and it's going to be okay. Um, because I think that lesson, the earlier you learn that, the more transferable it is to, into everything we do in our life. And knowing that you always have that person there to support you and to help you, but more importantly, that self-confidence that, hey, you know what, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to try it again. That's helping them realize that and see them carry that forward and even seeing them speak like that to their own friends and their own communities uh, makes me very proud as a dad. Now, how would your kids describe you as a dad? Hmm. Fun, funny, fit, pardon the alliteration. Uh, uh, also caring, stern at times, engaging, motivating, helpful, tough love, <laughs> uh, but supportive and loving. Those would be it. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? You know, it depends. Uh, I find it comes in waves. There's different people that inspire me. And when I really think back to it, I, I, <laughs> my father passed away three years ago uh, from pancreatic cancer. And, uh, you know, he was young, 72. Like, he, he, people that knew him believe that he was late 50s, early 60s. Like, he, he looked young. He looked healthy. But, unfortunately, uh, uh, cancer has a way of... of well, uh, it doesn't respect any of that. It doesn't care. Um, and uh, we weren't the closest, you know, like we, we had our differences. But I, I actually, in reflecting, and I've been doing a lot of that since his, his passing, is that I'm more like him than I used to care to admit. And um, I realized that a lot of the life lessons and a lot of the reasons why I am who I am today is because of things that he taught me. And even though while he was alive, I didn't really fully respect that and appreciate that. It, it, I, I do think back fondly on, on some of the lessons that I've learned from him. And, uh, you know, he does inspire me, even though he's, he's gone now, um, his memory lives on and the conversations we still have now, <laughs> you know, they, they influence me uh, quite a bit. So, um, yeah, I would say that my dad. And finally, what advice would you give to other dads? Realize that the only person you need to impress, when I say impress, it's almost, I think there's almost a, a fakeness to being impressive. Like I think a lot of us have a negative connotation or a, a negative script attached with impressing somebody. It means that we're doing something above and beyond or over embellishing. But 
what I want to impress on you, <laughs> other dads, is that you know there's only the opinion of a small amount of people that really matter, and those are your immediate family. And when I really accepted that, it gave me way more room to be who I am, but also to just take more risks. And when I mean more risks is just put myself out there a bit more, be a bit more outspoken, be not afraid to live into who I want to be, knowing that the only opinion that really matters to me is that of my family, my daughters and my wife. You know, like honestly, like that is all that matters. Like if they're proud of me, they're happy, they're they're loving life and they love me and they know that I love them, that's all that matters. Like all this other stuff is just stuff. It's noise. It, it is just things. It's not, at the end of the day, that's the only opinion that matters to me. And uh, when I started living into that and stopped going for all the other stuff <laughs> that I believed I wanted because I wanted to be perceived a certain way, man, things just became a lot simpler, a lot more enjoyable, a lot less stressful, <laughs> way less anxiety. And that's what I like to, to try to impress on other dads is, you know, let go all that stuff outside of your family. Just focus on them because it will fuel you and it will direct you in the best way to thrive in the world. And uh, at least based on my own personal experience, that's what I'd like to share. Well, Di, I appreciate you sharing all of that. Now, if people want to find more about you and your programs, and I think you even have a, kind of a special program right now about uh, a sugar detox as well. So where can people find all that information? Easiest place to go is my website. Just And the nice thing about having a unique name, uh, you know, like I said, I'm older than Google, but when Google came around, I realized having a unique name was very beneficial. <laughs> you know, way to go, mom and dad. Uh, it's Diamond Well, and all the social platforms that I'm on, I have my name as my handle. So I'm really easy to connect with and, and reach out to. And I'm very active on Facebook and Instagram. So feel free to reach out to me there. Any questions, I'm, I'm always happy to, to, to have a conversation on this or at least point people in a different direction and give them the assistance they need. And uh, But my website's got over 1,500 articles. I've been blogging for now almost 14 years. So there's lots of content there. Take some time, dive in, just search by a topic, nutrition, lifestyle, parenthood. I mean, you name it, I've got content on it and uh, it's there. It's a resource. Dive into it. Don't focus on trying to change everything, but focus on one thing and then just do that one thing and do it repeatedly. You know, like thanks for bringing up the sugar detox. It's just a five day mini challenge, five days of emails. I give you a great resource guide. And all I ask people to do is cut out sugar for five days. Now, you can still have some sugar in its natural sources, but if you remove all the, the added sugar from most of the foods that we consume and you stop eating those and you start eating some of the things that I put on the green list, like the eat list, holy smokes, in five days energetically? I mean, you have to experience it. I could tell you all the benefits, but when you experience it, you'll get exactly what I mean. And, and so it's just there. It's just a resource I put out there because a lot of people come to me for nutrition advice. And I'm like, you know, the first and foremost thing I'd like to just encourage you to do, just limit your sugar intake. If you do that one thing, it will make everything else seem easier for you later. And uh, so that it's free. It's on my website. Go for it. Now, for any of you that are thinking that you want to do that, I'll tell you, five days is not as bad as when I did a sugar detox for 30 days in December. So 
keep that in mind because think about all the sugary type of things that come around in, in December. But I will say that while I still have some sugar in my life, I did cut soda out of my entire diet because of that 30-day detox. So there are incremental things that changed because of that. It's, it's definitely, you'll find that there's a lot more sugar in your diet than you would actually believe when you actually have to take it out. So I, I will just say that and leave it there. But Di, as always, it's amazing talking to you. Really appreciate the time today and I wish you all the best. Thanks, Chris. I love what you're doing, man. Keep keep leading the charge and being role models for all us dads. Uh, we, we need you. We need more of you. And uh, please keep keep shining that light for us. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons, we make the meals, we buy them presents, bring your A-game, cause those kids are growing fast, the time goes by just like a dynamite blast, calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men, get out and be the world to best dad you can be be the best dad you can be